the QMC Board and Collar Series for EMS Professionals welcomes you to Excuse My Medic, the podcast version of an MCI with Gary Harvat, Chuck Humphrey, and Ed Marasco. Excuse My Medic takes a unique look at today's emergency medical service with news and information, opinionated discussions, lively talk, sporadic jabs, and even a few belly laughs from our world of emergency medical services. Excuse My Medic is brought to you by Quick Med Claims, a national leader in emergency medical service revenue cycle management and reimbursement consulting. Now, hang on to the bench seat and tighten your lap belt as these old guys from EMS Past take you on a Code 3 ride without touching the brakes. You've had the disclaimer, and if you're still brave enough to stick it out, let's get started. Take it away, guys. Good day, everyone. My name is Gary Harvat, and welcome to this edition of Excuse My Medic. We've come to term it EM2, but we're glad you're all here. We're glad you're listening, and I am joined by my two esteemed colleagues once again, as we have always. Ed Marasco, welcome, Ed. How's things with you? Oh, Gary, it's good to be here. I always... uh Enjoy spending some time with you guys. It's been a pretty busy uh, winter so far in the Morasco family. Uh, a couple things. Uh, we have a brand new grandson, and I think you guys are aware of that. Ooh. So Jack Edward was born back in February, and it's it's been a little bit bonkers. Mrs. Morasco is uh, taking on a whole new uh, approach to life. Good for her. Congratulations. That's a great thing. And when 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 was he born, Ed? February twenty fifth. Oh yeah. wow. And he's he's uh, grown like a bad weed, and uh, we we've got to spend a fair amount of time with him, and that's been wonderful back down there in Richmond and back up here. So it's been great. Geez, Ed, we've been around for a long time, and we've known each other for many years. But who would have ever thunk it? Who would have ever thunk it? We'd be sitting here talking about yeah. grandchildren. I'm actually headed to Denver here at the end of May to celebrate my grandson's first birthday. So I'm sure that's just going to be a great time. Uh, so we're looking forward to it. And Chuck, Chuck, our yes. esteemed colleague up in Danville, Pennsylvania. Chuck, how the heck are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. I survived my youngest daughter's wedding, so that's the last of the Humphrey girl weddings. So it was a wonderful affair. And um, by extension now, since I have a new son-in-law, I am driving to Philadelphia tomorrow, and I am gaining a brand-new housemate in a cat called Albert. Oh, a cat called Albert. Albert Albert was... um, my new son-in-law's grandmother's cat, and unfortunately, his gram has to go into a long-term care facility, and Albert did not have a permanent home. So I offered to adopt Albert, and he's going to come home and join me and my 15-year-old buddy, who is a Yorkie-poo, and we're going to see if these two elderly animals can coexist. I'm thinking that's a recipe for disaster. Um- <laughs> I'm thinking I'd like to be the fly on the wall for that one. That's for sure. My goodness gracious. So Ed and I got the grandkids. Chuck's got Albert. Yeah, Albert the grandcat. Albert the grandcat. Oh my goodness. Hey, by the way, Chuck, I just your the wedding was fabulous. I watched the video, the stream. It was absolutely beautiful, and and your daughter obviously was beautiful. She looks so happy. 
Yep, he, she sure did. And Chuck, I asked him the day after or the Monday after the wedding, I was like, how's everything? Well, I pulled a groin muscle. I'm like, Chuck, you pulled a groin muscle? Like, yeah, so the, the story here is, is that as, literally within five minutes of walking her down the aisle, I just, I took a step and I, I coughed and I... Did you turn your head to the right when you coughed? <laughs> the shooting pain and I walked over to my um, future son-in-law's mother and I said, I can barely walk. She goes, what? I said, I've literally pulled a groin muscle. She said, well, you better be able to make it down the aisle. Jeez, <laughs> oh, oh, man. Wedding memories, huh? Well, I, Beautiful. I did not let on to my daughter that I was limping along, and um, and I made it. And, of course, um, I cried all the way down the aisle. <laughs> if you see the pictures, you'll see me puckering, trying to bite my lip through. So it was um, just a wonderful day. Yeah, Thanks, guys. I appreciate oh, the comments. No, it's great. What, what a beautiful event. Yeah. Beautiful day, and glad you glad you got a groin muscle pulled to accompany you <laughs> through it. That's uh Wonderful, wonderful, and thanks, Chuck. We really appreciate it. Beautiful flowers, beautiful wedding, beautiful music, groin pull. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, we Only haven't. Me. Only we, me. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, we haven't got together, believe it or not, gentlemen, since February, and I've actually had some folks asking if we're going to get together again. Uh, for some strange reason, people actually listen to this. <laughs> Yeah, it's a miracle. It's It's a a miracle. But there has been a lot happening. And actually, uh, one of the things that uh, I've asked Chuck to talk about today was something that really just kind of hit the presses yesterday. Of course, CMS coming out with the treatment in place waiver, uh, which sounds just in words like a great, great thing. But of course, there's strings attached. And uh, Chuck, I was wondering if you could kind of fill the folks who who are listening from home or in their car uh, just a little bit about it, if you could, please. Yeah, you bet. Well, thanks, uh, Gar. So, yes, yesterday, um, so you, you, some of you may recall several weeks ago um, when the um, American Rescue Plan Act legislation passed, uh, we uh, did a quick Q&A webinar here for uh, our clients and some of our friends um, and just talked about what could be if they issued the waiver. Well, the waiver rolled out as of yesterday, and, and this is under Section 9832, of the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021, which was an extensive piece of legislation and what we all commonly received our latest stimulus checks, those that did or did not receive. Um, so it's very much in the news and and um, uh, part of it. But so um, they officially issued the waiver yesterday, which allows for treatment in place. Now, if you remember back when we first started talking about this, CMS was really very hesitant in order to issue this waiver, which is why it took so long, because they were very concerned about the ambulance industry reading into this that this was a major change in policy. So right up front, they've made it very clear. In fact, the General Accounting Office, the GAO, gave, purposely gave this a very low score on funding because they don't believe they're going to have to pay out a lot of money. Now you say, well, well then why do it? Well, they, they issued it because during the pandemic up to through today we're still in the middle of the public health emergency although thankfully we seem to be on the downhill trend which i'm very happy to say um, after 14 or 15 months of dealing with this but um 
they um, recognized the fact that there were instances where we, and I say we in the ambulance industry, had to allow people to remain in their homes and not transport them because doing so, transporting them to an ED, would have potentially risked these people of being infected or be a spreader event for infection. So, you know, at the height of this, states like New York were running rampant and and all over the country, really. Um, We were very, very cognizant of the fact that we didn't want to overexpose anyone. You know, this is when hospitals weren't allowing any visitors and you could only, you know, we really were only presenting patients to EDs and, and, and whatnot. So back to March 1st of last year, um, they issued the waiver and said, look, we, we recognize the fact that there were instances where your ground ambulance was called out on the 911. And I'm going to make this clear. This is only 911 where it applies to. Let's put that at the outset. Um, and where a patient would have reasonably been transported under any other circumstances sans COVID, and the decision was made under protocol. And by the way, that's a community-wide special protocol. I'll talk about that in a second. Or under verbal order that was well-documented that a patient was allowed to remain in place and not transported, stabilized to the point that it was the opinion of medical direction under protocol and of the assessing crew <clears throat> that the patient's you know, illness or injury was mitigated to the point that they did they could bypass transport. Um, so when those conditions existed, obviously we didn't get paid. QMC couldn't bill for our clients. Clients couldn't bill to re- reimburse simply because there was no transport involved. So in that case, CMS is now allowing retroactively back to March 1st for those trips to be billed for payment to be received for the base rate only. So that would be ALS level one or BLS base rate, depending on the dispatch and or whether is an EMD protocol in place, um, the results of an assessment. So in those cases, now when I say retroactive, put a caution out here and now I'll tell you guys, um, Gary, uh, we're, we're planning a webinar on May 19th. So those of you that are listening in that are part of our uh, clientele or friends um, that regularly follow, um, there will be a notification of this. I think it went out this morning. Um, Correct. Where we're going to kind of dissect this in greater detail. So all I want to do is just kind of call attention to it today and just um, you know let you guys know we'll, we'll expand on this again in, and, and allow for some Q&A. Um, but, um, uh, you know, I have to give props to the, the American Ambulance Association, give props to folks like Paige Wolfberg and Worth um, that have really done a great job in putting some of the guidance to, uh, together and advocating for this. AAA fought hard for this because there were a lot of misgivings um, within CMS that they were afraid that this would set precedent. So they made it very clear. But um, when I say it's retroactive, um, it is only retroactive to the point that you, meaning you and your system, may have implemented a protocol that is specific to the pandemic. So if on March 1st, you did not have a protocol in place that said, if you go out on a 911 and you assess the patient, you stabilize the patient, treat the patient, and it's determined that you aren't transporting for any other reason other than 
you don't want to risk infection or contamination, then you could retro bill to the point where that protocol was put in place. But folks, that needs to be well documented and it cannot be put in place retroactively. So if you do not have a protocol in place for this today, don't quickly go type something up in Word and say, oh, now we have protocol in place. It doesn't work that way. You would need to have that protocol document and or document of written verbal orders from your medical direction, whatever authority body, whatever medical director is involved with that. And that's very um, fluid amongst the various jurisdictions that we deal with, state-wise, local, regional, whatever um, you take your uh, authority from and your direction in the field. It would tie back to that protocol being in place. And then the documentation from the street crews must be extremely specific that they arrived on scene, they assessed and treated the patient, and then under that protocol or under that direction, it is clearly documented in the patient care report that they were following that protocol and made the decision under protocol not to transport. So these are key elements and it's very important that, um, you know, and, and so some of the scenarios, um, for example, if you have a um, quit life protocol in place for cardiac arrest and you work and you don't, re you know, you don't return to ROSC and you call in the field on a normal basis, sans coronavirus, then you're not billing that trip under that protocol. You're not billing that trip under this waiver. You might be billing that trip as a quit life or what we call QL under normal billing circumstances but you're not billing that under the waiver. Let's say you have a respiratory distress patient that you were dispatched for, well, let's say last June. You had protocol in place, you arrived on the scene, you were able to you know, give a breathing treatment, um, mitigate that circumstance, and it wasn't that the patient said, no, I don't wanna go to the hospital, I'm okay now. It's you determining that, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Smith, um, Normally we would transport you, but due to coronavirus, we feel that you're stable to the point that you don't need to be transported at this time. You should follow up with your physician. Do you agree with us that allowing you to remain in place is appropriate? And then obviously the patient would agree. And then that would be the scenario hmm. where you would then follow under the waiver and then receive reimbursement for this. Now, when I say retroactivity, they're allowing retroactive bill back to March 1st, or depending on when your protocol was in place, up through yesterday, and you have one year from yesterday to get those claims in. So you can bill them up to May 6th of 2022. However, starting today, any claim that falls under that protocol is under the one-year rule. So again, you have that little 15-month pad only for those retroactive claims to bill them back. And also, CMS is allowing a waiver on collecting copay for any of those retroactive claims. So if you had a protocol in place and you do want to go back, let's say to May, June of last year and bill some of those trips that fell under that, you would not have to assess the 20% copay. And again, we're talking here Medicare. Let me also make that point. Mm -hmm. This is Medicare billing. Fee for service, technically Medicare Part C or the Advantage should follow suit 
but that's not always a given. Mm -hmm. um, so you want to check under your uh, participation agreements and whatnot. But they should follow suit on that 911. Um, but you know, do check your participation agreements. And I just throw that caveat out there because you may have something in your participation agreement that would say otherwise if you're participating with one of those Medicare Part mm. C's. So that's a real down, quick, dirty, guys. And there's so many more details that we'll break into on the 19th. And the reason why we're kind of waiting a week and a half, you said, well, why don't you, why don't you fill us in next week? Um, I don't mind telling you the AAA is going to have a really good webinar coming up. There's some other folks that are going to. So we take kind of our direction from some of the folks that we uh, network with and um, some of the, you know, the bodies that we uh, draw our information from. So we want to let this all kind of just settle, the dust settle. And then when we do come out and roll out some um, examples for you, uh, roll out some uh, question and answers, we want to make sure we have all the information um, as the folks who digest this uh, together with us and we have a chance to talk about this and make sure that we have all the bases covered before we do our own webinar. So um, we are aware of this for our clients. For those who are out there and you're not QMC clients, um, this is the kind of thing we do on a regular basis. I'm very proud of that. Uh, as an organization, we're proud of that. Um, and we would love to have you part of our fold. So that's my little two cent uh, commercial there, guys, <laughs> as the typical sales guy that I am here. But, um, uh, you know, um, this is the kind of thing that we really support our clients with and get information out and, and really want to make sure that we cover all our bases for you. But this is not ET3. This is not, oh boy, they're paying for treat no transports, Yahoo. Um, no, it is not that. And, and, and then let me say this, it's not, this waiver is tied to the coronavirus pandemic. This waiver language is now in place for any upcoming public health emergency. Mm. So if we continue on with a path where we only get paid for transport, which I think in the coming days, we're gonna see that change as well. But for right now, this language is now open to any emergency that would exist under the um, 1135 waivers. Mm. That would be able for CMS to open that door up in those times of need. So that's a that's a win, if nothing more, that's a win to get us started. And I think we all know where our industry is heading with regards to treatment in place and telemedicine and, and all of those things. So let's hold the phone on that, but it's certainly a positive step and uh, something that I think is, um, is, is just a precursor for things to get better for us and recognize us as the true healthcare providers that we are and not just a transport modality. So hypothetically speaking, consigliere yes. of mine. <laughs> so if we if we had a patient last May, and I assume you meant when you said March first, you meant March March first of twenty. Um, yes, in that's terms correct. Of retro. So let's say we had yeah, a patient last May that um, that we that we went and saw, and <clears throat> we made the decision. You know, older patient, we made the decision not to transport them because we were concerned about exposure, and t we called medical control and all the normal things we would do, and and we made a decision to not transport them. Technically speaking, in a scenario like that, since it's not a covered service, you could have billed the patient. But of course, if there was some sense that they themselves might have COVID symptoms, then we wouldn't have been able to bill them because they were a COVID symptomatic patient. You know, we have all those suspected right. or presumed COVID patients. 
those are the types of trips that now, as long as the documentation is there, that you could go back and say, okay, now we can bill and get something? That is correct. That's mm -hmm. right. Interesting. Yep. Yes. As long as it falls in a butt. And, and then the other part of that, Ed, is that I thought you were going to ask me, but what if you build the patient for this as a treat no transport and collect it? Yeah. Right. If you choose the bill, then you got to remember, you will need to refund what you've collected sure. from the patient. Oh, great point. Yeah, yeah, great point. Yeah, that's the other scenario. So, Chuck, I know that you were, um, you hinted this in your talk there. Uh, I personally think, and feel free to gentlemen to disagree, it, this could be a great precursor to what we, to treatment in place long after the pandemic. Do you, do you think that, or do you think they're going to pull back on this? I mean, i be honest with you, if I'm the AAA right now, uh, I'm going to get on this wave and ride it hard because after this pandemic ends, I really think they need to look much, much more closer at this and many other issues related to the ambulance industry. But it appears, in my mind, that we have their attention. Would you gentlemen uh, agree I, or disagree? I, I totally agree. You yeah. bet. But they were they were very um, upfront at this point. Of course. In saying that, we want to make it clear. Yeah. This particular waiver is no change in our overall general policy. But with the ET3 program now in full swing, and we know they're going to do a review of that at the end, um, they won't be wasting the time and effort on that. And I don't think there's any doubt in my mind with the, you know, you know just Google right now, telehealth statistics for the last year and a half. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're going to see that they are off the charts. Uh, should my 401k grow by an equal percentage? I mean, <laughs> like, Amen. It, it just ballooned. It, it poof, you know. Sure. And, and it's now, you know, I've done two telehealth visits with healthcare providers myself. I would have never thought of that prior to this. So the way the industry is moving, you know, um, I, I personally run in a system where we have an ET3 participation right now, and it's, it's actually going very well. Hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, and then the other part of that, of course, is treatment to or transport to alternative destinations. That's not part of this waiver. Right. But there are the two the two streams that we're going to see become part of what we do. And, and, and I think very much a part of our every, you know, the ET3 was just expanded. Um, and now there was there's a tranche of funding to apply for uh, for having a um, medical direction in doing triage triage. <laughs> in your dispatch center for that model. So obviously they're expanding even their review and adding those elements to test whether this is an effective, you know, an effective thing. And obviously the end result is to save the Medicare program money, which we all know needs to happen. So Medicare doesn't go broke, quote unquote. So um, I, I can't see this going any other way, guys. I don't know, Ed, Ed Gary, we all read and oh, listen yeah. to the same people. and. You know, this is this is where things are heading. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, it's really changed the landscape. It's one of the few positives that's come out of this situation in the last 15 months, and I see it in the general healthcare journals. You know, Chuck, you referenced that the statistics are staggering. Um, it's changing the way we practice medicine on all fronts. You know, transport, EMS, primary care, um, uh, you name it. You know, it's sad when you think of all the lives lost with COVID, but in some respects, from the ambulance industry standpoint 
this could be a silver lining within that COVID uh, pandemic. So, um, you know, it surely got us out of the gate, which we've tried to get out of for a long, long time on this issue of telemedicine and treatment in place. So I just hope that, and I recognize that uh, CMS, you know, reserves the right to pull back and will pull back. But um, I think, you know, if we can prove that this is a a functional and a model for EMS moving forward, uh, then I can only view that as a as a good thing. And uh, I sure as yep. all heck hope I'm right because I got a better chance of being in the back of the ambulance on a on the stretcher than I do riding on the squad bench. So I want the best for me and my family, as I'm sure everybody else does. So we want to see our industry keep moving forward. And I think this may this may pan out to be that way. So yeah. fingers crossed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, and, and, you know, I just want to loop back and make sure this is a medically necessary patient. So before we jump off this subject and move on, um, 911 and medically necessary. Right, so the medical necessity rules haven't changed here. Right. And that's why I say document. You know, Gary, you and I and, and Ed, you know, you do when you travel and we talk to clients and we do documentation training. Um, we talk all the time about documentation. Nothing's relaxed here. And this isn't a patient that calls us for tooth pain. Right. <laughs> that, you know, and we, it, it's not medically necessary. And uh, maybe some tooth pains are medically necessary. Maybe I shouldn't be so flip. But um, this is a true medical necessity situation, which we have to still document, still make sure that there is tieback documentation. And in addition, document that the waiver was in place for us to get paid. So we're getting paid on an ambulance transport base rate without mileage but it's yep. still an ambulance base rate. And True. so I want to make clear that these patients have to be established via our assessment and then our documentation of our assessment and treatment as medically necessary patients. And under any other normal circumstance, sans the coronavirus, we would have reasonably been expected under normal protocol to transport. Yeah. So yep. make sure that you have, so that what I want to do is not have our phone ring here between the next week and a half till we visit again with a thousand questions about, can I go back and bill all those treatment, no transports? No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> it is not meant for them. Right. Yeah, great it. point. Good point. Good point. Chuck, thank you for that information. That's That was great. Mm. And uh, we'll talk more about for those who would like to attend our webinar next week here at the end of our uh, show today. But uh, in the meantime, I have to tell you guys, um, I had uh, between our last episode and this one, um, you know, people recognize that uh, I've been around in the industry for a while. Ed, you have, of course, and so has Chuck. And uh, somebody said to me one day, when did you start? What, what were they using for a cardiac monitor when that you started? Was it a Life Pack 5? And I go, Life Pack 5? I'd still be I'd still be working today if I had a Life Pack 5. So, <laughs> but I, I brought to mind an interesting thought, uh, thought. I thought maybe we could just talk about what we used when we started that's no longer there and oh, for me man. i mentioned the you know the life pack four <laughs> yeah. with the clamshells yeah you know and of course nobody was sick at the front door everybody was on the second <laughs> or third floor and and you know <laughs> you'd carry that thing up the steps. so again that life pack five i think that was the one that came up came apart didn't it it was like had two p it locked together one side was the uh um the monitor and the other side was the defibrillator so it made it a lot easier and then yeah. they've since advanced since then but you know I, I don't know about you but i remember a, a lot of things that have gone gone by the wayside i mean i used to live for 
the Dynamed catalog. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, as a kid, you used to get the Christmas time, like the J.C. Penny, like Christmas catalog with all the toys. Not me. I live for the Dynamed catalog. <laughs> And I know I would go through and I would tell my parents, I want this for my little jump box that I carried in the back of my car, and I want this. And, like, I had the Dynamed, I hate to even admit this now, no. I had the Dynamed smock. Oh, you, no. You know, it's like had blue, blue star life. And I wore it everywhere. I wore it, to, I wore it to the movies. I wore it out on dates. I was so cool with that. But one of the devices... Well, of course, because in case the pager tripped in the middle of your date, you had to go. I was ready to go. Yeah. I was ready to go. Um, and, you know, at that time, women thought that was kind of cool. Now, they'll th- they, I'm sure they would throw stuff at me or probably not even get in the car if I had that darn thing on. But anyway, um, you know, I, there was you know, a... I would never wear shorts, short pants in the summer. And my, my wife when she, uh, would ask me, my kids would ask me, why, Dad, why aren't you wearing shorts? Because you never knew when you were going to get alert. <laughs> right, yeah. You in shorts and go on a call. Yeah. <laughs> you never wear shorts. You don't want to miss one. But do you guys remember this little device? It was barbaric. It was barbaric. And they sold them, and this is one of the things I asked my parents for. The Dynamed Choke Saver. Oh, the Choke Saver. It looked like something you'd put down the mouth of a largemouth bass, you know, to pull the hook out. And and they that was on the market for a while. And somewhere, somewhere in my house, I got to believe I still have that. So I, I'd like to, like, but, you know, it was like a big hook type of thing you'd reach down and pull out the hot dog or biscuit or whatever it is yeah mostly the vocal cords but mostly the vocal cords (laughs) (laughs) and and i i think that's it had a short life i mean the intentions it had good intentions but uh didn't didn't work all that well but how about you guys like chuck do you remember anything that's you use that's no longer there yes well first of all we have a squad 51 radio phone in the second floor of our station in Berwick at the Geisinger EMS station. That thing, I, I just, I every now and then I just walk over and, like, touch it. <laughs> I can, you know, and you just, you close your eyes and picture it's Johnny and Roy on that phone. Yeah. I had the yeah. little flip-up antenna, and so that's that's a great piece. And the other one is I was remembering, I was remembering one of my first calls and uh, I ran with an older guy who was really at the end of his EMS career, and he had just, he had obtained his EMT, but it was like the beginning of EMT, you know, and that's how, you know, it's a wonder I'm not talking to you about leeches, because we go back so far, but anyhow, um, <laughs> the demand, do you remember that deva- demand valve? And oh had my had gosh. On it? You yeah. could do oh, great damage. Forget, I, had tell you fun- I had to tell you a funny story, guys. So I had started my EMT classes and I was learning all about what you kind of should and shouldn't do, but I was pretty green and I was still an AFA driver. And we had this call of, a, uh, I think it was a, uh, an asthma attack. And this gentleman in the back, God rest his soul, he, he was going at this demand valve. And all I remember was looking back in the mirror and him hitting the demand valve and going, can you breathe yet? Can you breathe? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my God, he's gonna blow the- <laughs> person's lungs right oh my gosh i still don't know how this person survived oh man because he was just on that you know (laughs) so i those are interesting memories that i can i'll never get out of my because i think by the time i was done with that call i was ready to be committed somewhere (laughs) on a 302 because i was scared to death (laughs) well how about that demand valve if you wanted to uh 
to invoke gastric distension, that was your device yeah, of choice. Yeah, that was it, right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Chances oh. are what you had for breakfast, we're going to see it again. And so that was, oh, my goodness. All of those. How about you, Ed? Well, it's funny. I was Chuck was talking about being an AFA driver, so I was – I was an AFA driver. I you know, joined the rescue squad and all that stuff, and and I was just in the beginning, front end of EMT school. And so we we had a patient. I was out on a call one night. Two really experienced medics, and um, we had a patient who had a femur fracture. And so oh. I was very excited to help them put on the old hair traction, hair traction. <laughs> split. Oh my gosh! Well, when when the medics started to crank that thing up. I just about passed out from oh. what I was looking at. I, almost, I, I could feel myself oh. getting light out. I'm like, oh, I can't watch this. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh. Oh. Yeah, the hair traction was one. Uh, I, we could probably make a whole show out of this, but how about the old uh, esophageal opturator? Oh, yeah. Oh, that was a great oh, one. Yeah. yeah. And then you had to watch because you had the, the EOA was yellow. Yes. And the EGTA was green. Oh, you didn't want goodness. to get those reversed. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, and we had Jobst, it was Jobst or Jobst, J-O-B-S-T, rotating tourniquets. Oh, yeah. And they were all color-coded. Oh. And, you know, right arm, left arm type thing. And I don't think they ever worked. Like, it just, it was something. And then you plugged them into the inverter in your ambulance. And I don't know about you, but the inverter in our ambulances was just a piece of equipment that just never, ever worked right. Right. It, you know, it would never transfer over. So, but uh, we could go on forever. But my goodness, uh, for for those of you that uh, can remember these things, God bless you. You've been around for a long time. For those of you that are going, what the heck are they talking talking about? about? Right, yeah. (laughs) Be happy, because let me tell you, there's been some great advances since those times. Yeah. Be thankful that you are carrying probably monitors that are much less than those things that we uh, we carried many, many, many years ago. Uh, yeah. Not to mention, how about the doggone stretchers? I'd still be out there. Right. You push a button, oh. the darn thing goes, goes up, up it down. loads into the ambulance, it does it everything except drive the darn thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, nope, we got this guy, 750 pounds. We're putting them on a Model 30. Yep, yep. that's right. Yep, he six pal. people. Yep. Throwing yep. them in there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Unbelievable. And, and ergo why I need back surgery <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my good good talk there good talk hey um let's move on here how about uh how about we try ems word of the day for a few moments and then uh uh people for whatever reason look forward to us destroying each other on this thing so uh let's give it a try um chuck do you want to give it to me oh i can't wait i got one for you buddy. Yes, this is always you, concerning always concerning you stay up what you stay up at night trying to figure this out don't you i do i yep. figured go ahead i'm ready okay so are you ready yes sir all right so your word is araca buta phobia araca beauty phobia all right it is spelled a r a c h i b u t y r o P-H-O-B-I-A. Chuck, I, I didn't come today with a pen and pencil set here. Jeez. <laughs> and it. let me give you how I'm going to roll this out to you. So oh. here's the scenario. Medic 25 was dispatched to a possible choking victim only to find that the patient, while eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, <laughs> suffered a moment <laughs> of arachabutrophobia. 
I, I, I I'm just. Chicken, Mr. Harmat. Hey, Gary, I can help you here. I'll, I'll take it. I'll you throw. I'll, I need I, a lifeline. I think the patient choked on a spider. <laughs> well, isn't that arachna? Isn't that a? So I was thinking more like allergic reaction to a spider bite or something like that. And you know, somebody who's scared of spider bites or allergic to them type of thing. Uh, um, you're 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 in the. Well, let's put it this way. You're at the QMC headquarters, and the ballpark is over in Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh, well, that's a, that's okay in the grand scheme of geography. Um, um, I, I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You got me. All right. is a phobia of having a peanut butter stuck on the roof of your tongue. Say again. It is a phobia of having peanut butter stuck on the roof of your tongue. Surely the arachna has to do with something with the spider. Fear. Yeah, spear, fear. Well, okay. I don't know. It, it's arachna. It's A R A C H I, oh. not an ant. Oh. Okay. All right. So the arachna would be the fear part. All right. And the butyro, I think, is the peanut butter. And then the phobia, obviously. Well, isn't phobia fear? Well, I don't know. True. You're uh, right. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Now uh, you're into Greek. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm exactly. I got to look that up. Yep, for sure. <laughs> All right. Actually, that's probably Latin. Hey, Ed, can I ask you to just give him a good one? Do you got one? I have one for Chuck, but it's going to be an easy one, Chuck. I'm, I'm giving you a oh. softball here. Oh, my. Okay, so the word is Gets s'more. Again. S'more? S'more. S- more S- like the campfire s'more? No. Oh. S M O O R. S'more. I like this Narcan. I want s'more. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't live where I live, buddy. That's more truth than you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. There was actually just, uh, I just read an article about that, actually. It's another topic for another episode about the, a, an episode with a Narcan incident. But Go ahead. Go ahead, Chuck. Oh, I, I don't know. Um, We're not going to let you off that easy. Come on. Um, a, a facial injury? Oh, you might be a little closer than uh, the headquarters in PNC Park. But, <laughs> okay. But, but s'more is to suffocate or smother. So we responded okay. to a person who had difficulty breathing because they had been s'mored in their covers. Oh, I want to see that uh, on one of our trip. <laughs> I want to see that on a trip report. On a trip report, yep, right? Exactly. Yeah. For all those of you listening out there, you get extra credit points if right. you use that on a trip sheet. Yeah. <laughs> Take out the patient information, send us a copy of the narrative, and we'll get we'll win you a prize. Yeah, that's, that's for right. sure. You'll get a prize. And pictures, please. Right. Yes, absolutely. Oh my goodness! So that was uh, that was great. So thanks to both of you for participating in that. That was uh, interesting to painful. say. Painful, painful, painfully <laughs> interesting. Yes, to say the least. So, hey Chuck, I, you mentioned earlier you've got got a story for us. What can you tell us there, yeah, buddy? Yeah, yeah. Well, so all right. So this comes to us from California. Uh, which is scary in its own right, but nonetheless, <laughs> all you Californians, love you guys, love you yeah. guys. Okay, so um, Corey worked in EMS for two years, followed by four years as an ER trauma tech and is now an EDRN. Corey and her partner responded to a wellness check, 911 call, 
in Inglewood, California. They were told by their dispatch that it was a 70-year-old male who hadn't been heard from in a few days. When they arrived at the apartment complex, the manager of the building opened the man's apartment door. She and her partner entered the apartment with firefighters right behind them. There's a huge TV to the right when we walk in, and that is all snowed out, very reminiscent of the movie The Ring, says mm. Corey. As they came around the corner, they saw an elderly male seated in a recliner. He almost appeared to be relaxed, except for the fact that he was missing his head. <laughs> oh, no. Corey recalled that there was minimal blood from the decapitation. They stayed in the apartment long enough to see if the man's head was somewhere in the apartment, but left when police arrived to evaluate the apparent crime scene. Corey followed up later and found out that the elderly gentleman had been a previous gang leader and had spent time in prison. After his sentence, he was considered reformed and was a prominent leader in the community. And to this day, they still have not found his head. Oh, no. Interesting story. <laughs> wow. Thanks for sharing, Chuck. <laughs> Holy mackerel. <laughs> that's, a, that's a unique one. And it's you a good thing only our audience can appreciate that. You lose your mind yeah. over, get it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, we've got to put a disclaimer in. That, folks, if your children are listening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Shut it off. Don't put the speaker <laughs> Don't on. Don't put this on, for sure. So, well, thanks for that, Chuck. You know, uh, uh, I appreciate it, and it's always fun to be with you guys. But, um, you know, this is May. Our last broadcast was actually in February, but here it is May already. Um, and when we get together again, we'll be in the heat, hopefully the heat of summer. But, of course, May is uh, the month for uh, National EMS Week. And it's a time we pause and reflect and take a uh, good look and thank those who are out there day and night toiling in the streets, uh, working, and especially in the past year, have worked so hard to care for those of us who are suddenly stricken ill or injured. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, go to my good friend Ed Morasco to talk to us just a little bit about uh, the EMS Memorial Service, which sadly, Ed told me this before we started today, uh, how many people are being honored this year. And so, Ed, could you could you just fill us in a little bit, please? Yeah, sure, absolutely. And, and as Gary said, just to echo what Gary said about those of you who are out there doing it every day, um, you know, this is the one time of year you get that <clears throat> that recognition, but it should be really every day of the year. And thanks for your service. So yeah, I had the opportunity, uh, you guys may know this, uh, the Medical Transport Leadership Institute was a couple of weeks ago and one of our colleagues had a family emergency and couldn't come. So I got pressed into duty over the weekend and went down and taught a couple of classes. Um, but I, I ran into Jenna Williams, who's the, the president of the National EMS Memorial Service Group and someone who's been doing it, God bless her, she's been doing it for so many years, um, you know, with a lot of support. Our friend Steve Worth is on the board and a number of others um, that have been doing it almost since the beginning of the service. But Jan has been leading that group for quite a few years. And, and um, I asked her how it was going. And she, um, you know, we talked about the fact that the date got moved back. So they, you know, with everything going on with COVID, they made a decision to move it back to July. And we're, we've got our fingers crossed that it's going to be as close to a normal event as possible, especially since the families. Uh, you know, children, families, and others really use that as closure in many cases for those that they've um, that they've lost in the line of duty. But she shared with me that there are going to be over 125 honorees this year, which is I, I couldn't oh. believe it. It's a staggering number. I mean, usually it's 25 or 30 a year. It's just it's amazing to me. Hmm. 
And so her and the team have been really working very hard to vet all these and, and you know, make the arrangements and, of course, communicate with families and colleagues and all that, that um, the folks who are involved. But it's going to be, unfortunately, Gary, as you said, it's going to be one of the largest memorial services that we've ever had. And uh, it's just it's a sad commentary on what all of us have sort of, you know, watched and seen over the last 15 months. You know, we've lost friends, family, and, and certainly quite a few colleagues. Um, yes, we have. During the time, so. No question. Well, let's uh, all take a moment uh, during, we should do this all year round, but especially during EMS week, take take time to, to stick your hand out. And, you know, if you see the medics at the, uh, at the, the local donut shop or the restaurant or even in the supermarket, stick your hand out and just say thanks because trust me when I tell you folks, that moment means a lot to them, a lot to them. And if you just take a second and say thanks, and I recognize most of the people listening today probably come from an EMS background, but for those of you that are just part of the general public listening out there and may not have uh, direct involvement with EMS, be sure to thank those people. They, uh, they deserve more respect than, than we can ever muster up. So, um, our thanks on behalf of all of us here at QMC and and uh, EM2, uh, our thanks to you. So yeah, You know, guys, what amazes me, too, is um, we're still hearing of casualties coming from 9-11. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this was reading stories, you know, of, of folks that, you know, are, you know, cancer and um, all of the... Um, you know the contamination that came from that and it blows your mind you know we're, we're coming up on 20 years of that and um, we're still seeing the after effects of that so more than ever you know between pandemic and that and um we really need to we really need to pause to remember because there was a whole lot of people that gave gave more than i'll ever give that's yeah. for sure yeah no question there yeah. at all great no question good point so well gentlemen we've come to an end of yet another um, excuse my medic em2 and i can't tell you how much i enjoy spending time with the two of you and we really appreciate the fact that the feedback we get uh, from our audience who continues to listen to us uh, likes what we do still surprising to me some days but <laughs> likes what we do uh, and we're glad to continue to bring it to you we try to do it about every other month and uh, surely we hope to see you again maybe in july uh, but in the meantime um, i just wanted to extend our thanks to you, all of those who do listen. If you would like more information on our webinars or podcasts, you can feel free to go to uh, www.quickmedclaims.com backslash education. Uh, we'd love to have you join some of our webinars. And of course, our podcasts are widely available. We've had over 11,000 downloads, which is something I personally am very proud of, of our programs. Uh, you can get them on Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, uh, Apple um, uh, Apple, what is it? Apple iTunes, um, everywhere is out there. Any of the big podcast channels, uh, you can find us. Just look for QMC EMS Board and Caller, and you'll find all about 150 plus of our different episodes. So uh, we try to stay current with a lot of the hot industry topics and continue to bring you uh, as much information as we can um, to all our listeners. Uh, it's a joy to do this program with my colleagues. It's a joy to bring it to those of you who listen. And I uh, can't thank you so much again. Ed, anything in closing? No, just thanks, guys. Appreciate uh, the opportunity to be with you again. I missed our last episode together. It was uh, one of those things I look forward to. So everybody out there, have a great, uh, safe summer. We'll be talking to you probably midsummer, And uh, 
and take care of yourself. Thanks, Chuck. Um, no, thanks, everyone. Um, uh, really appreciate your uh, participation and joining us. And uh, we do wish you all safety and health. Um, remember, if you didn't get your vaccine, consider going out and having that done. And uh, hopefully by the next time we talk, as are we that's for sure so gentlemen thank you again and to each of you for listening thanks for joining in uh have a great day have a great summer ahead great weather let's hope for everybody and in closing let me simply say hey be be safe. safe out there